247 here, aka Austin Swanson, bringing you a video on my updated thoughts on Card Linux. Uh, the reason for this video is we've had quite the price decline in Card Linux. Um, we've went from a high of about $4.5 billion market cap, maybe even a little higher at one point, um, to current market cap below $3 billion. Price decline, uh, price per share of around $160 down to we've even today was like in uh, below 90 so we've had a decline from peak to now of about 43 percent so <laughs> is this something to be concerned about or is this an opportunity is this just some short-term uh fluctuation in the price um you know due to something that's going on that doesn't really matter or impact the long-term thesis of the company that is allowing for an opportunity to purchase at these prices or again, or is this something that we need to be concerned about? So uh, I've talked to quite a bit of investors. Uh, I've talked to other people, especially on Twitter and other places of, you know, discussing the company, what maybe some of the, you know, the fears are and whether they actually have some, you know, validity to those, those concerns. So uh, I'm going to walk through that. This, I, so I essentially posted um, another free article on my Substack. Uh, just walking through these ideas and I'll just go through them briefly, but I'll put a link in the description if you want to read more. So uh, the first thing that was kind of interesting <laughs> uh, because we started to see the price decline a little bit before earnings, but as the second earnings uh, was released, you know, there was nothing shocking in earnings. Nothing, I mean, I believe they hit, I, I usually don't focus too much on quarterly stuff, uh, but I was just interested to see if there was any new updates because we had the two acquisitions that happened just the prior two months. Um, but at earnings, you know, they met expectations, I believe, of like revenue and um, earnings. So there wasn't anything too concerning there. There wasn't nothing, nothing too shocking, right? Uh, but the one thing, and I don't remember, I listened to their earnings call, but I don't remember if they even brought this up. And I don't even know if it's been confirmed, but I, I would assume is on the investor presentation that was updated and released. They updated every single quarter and they have this little picture of like all their advertisers. And on there, um, I probably can pull it up real quick, but on there, uh, one of the advertisers was removed. So, and that was Airbnb. <laughs> and if we look at their homepage, What's interesting is Airbnb is still on there, but I'm thinking this is just not updated, right? Which seems weird because they've updated their investor presentation. And I feel like it's just such an easy update. Like if I'm thinking about it, wouldn't everybody else? So here is the updated investor presentation. Um, and if I just go down to their list of advertisers, as you can see before, instead of Hertz, this was Airbnb. And so um, we've had, there was, there, was a, there was a few other updates and I posted on Twitter the exact, you know, what's changed um, quarter over quarter, but this Hertz took the spot of Airbnb. And so I thought, is this a concern? If, if Airbnb is leaving, which is a pretty big company that I believe it was, uh, Cardlytics was their third largest, um, you know, where they were spending a third of their marketing at, or the third most of where they were spending marketing. Um, it, it could be concerning. It's like, is this not a good advertising platform? right? Like that would be my first concern is, is there something fundamental about Cardlytics and maybe it's data, how advertising works that we need to be concerned about because that would be very damaging. And so, you know, I make comment of this of just saying, you know, if we start seeing more and more advertisers leave, uh, it could be, this could all be related and I would start being concerned. And I, so that's something, that's why I always follow to see what the, the offers are. Currently, uh, existing advertisers, for the most part, seem to be staying on the platform from what I can tell uh, from the offers I'm receiving and, you know, just tracking what's on the website. Like most of these are, you know, same quarter over quarter. 
um, or even over longer than that. We've seen new advertisers join the platform, which is good. Um, and even uh, CEO Lynn Lobby last quarter even said, you know, there was one advertiser who left the platform, uh, the, I think the second half of 2020, noticed they were losing the share of customer spending and then joined the platform back. So it was almost, and that's what I'm really hoping we see with Airbnb is essentially from what I, from what I gathered from others, is they did not like that under the cost per serve sale uh, pricing model, where they have to pay regardless of an offer is activated, if if there's a purchase made, they still have to pay Air, uh, Cardlytics, even if it wasn't activated. That's why it, it served sale. They served the sale by, by presenting the offer. Essentially, it's, it's saying, hey, we put an offer out there, somebody saw it, and they made the sale. Just because they didn't activate it, it could be because you know they saw the offer on Cardlytics. But from what I gathered, Airbnb didn't like the fact that uh, it could have been the fact that um, they saw the offer on Google or Facebook, but then they were still paying um, Cardlytics, right? The simple answer to me seems, well, then you should just move to the cost per redemption pricing model where you only have to pay Cardlytics if the you know MAU actually clicks and activates the offer and then they make the purchase. That seems to solve the whole issue. But from a quote from somebody else, and I, I did not quote it directly from here because I don't have the exact quote to know, you know, absolutely 100% if that's the validity of this. I mean, this is all just kind of what's going on, and I just kind of wanted to share my update, my thoughts, is Airbnb, for as long as they've been advertising on the platform, which has been a while, it sounds like they assumed that even under cost per served sale, that the offer had to be activated in order for Cardlex to get paid. And that they discovered that that wasn't the case and maybe they were unhappy. And, and that could be true. Or it could also be true that Cardlytics purposely didn't tell them that because it benefited them. Um, you know, there's there's a lot that I don't love that unless I can actually have definitive answer that that is um, a truthful claim. Um, but that's why we'll have to monitor monitor this on an ongoing basis to see if we start hearing that that's what other advertisers are experiencing or if this was just an isolated incident um, or if you know airbnb is right back on the platform or because like if i start seeing an advertisement for airbnb then i'm like then that i need to just throw this whole section out right but i want to this was a concern uh to me even if this is 100 percent true and we start seeing you know a large drop in advertising is it worth a 40 you know, 4% decline in market value? Maybe. <laughs> uh, because if, if, if this platform is really bad, then I don't know. We'd have to hold, do a whole new uh, valuation on it. I'm not as concerned. I will be more concerned as I monitor uh, the advertising that's on the platform. And if we start seeing drops and declines in the number of advertisers um, and other, and we start hearing other things of like this platform isn't as you know good of a platform that like what we've heard in the past, then I'll be concerned. But until I hear that, I'm not. I think this is an isolated incident. It sounds like there was confusion and that might've also been why they didn't, you know, they weren't you know exactly happy with using Cardlytics. So we'll see. If they notice like this other advertisement, uh, advertiser that Lynn Lobby said last quarter, you know, they left, came back. If we see that with Airbnb, that speaks volume. That speak that says a lot. That if they can now notice that, wow, we're actually losing market share. It was working even under the cost per serve sale model. That seeing that offer actually, you know, led to was leading to some portion of those sales. That'd be very exciting. So I'm not making any large judgments on that. Um, you could say. Yeah, we don't need to go into a whole valuation thing. That could get me rambling. So let's let's keep going based on what, what could have happened currently now. So another thing is macroeconomic factors. People talked about rising interest rates, rising uh, inflation rates. Uh, my thought has been when I'm doing these valuations is I've pretty much been 
baking that stuff in already because you know we're at historical low um, interest rates already. So it's like, yes, interest rates can go way lower, but I like to assume for conservatism that they'll, they'll kind of increase back up to those historical averages, which to me is around like 5%. Um, it, and if we do that, and this is what I did in my last valuation, you know, I, I kind of walk through, you know, it's a, it's a present value future cash flows. And I assume, you know, 5%, you know, risk-free rate, you know, we're less than three now, right? And if it, if it went back to 5%, that seems reasonable. Uh, if we assume in 10 years, the company's more stabilized. And so it has a less risk than it has a, a smaller equity risk premium. So I assume 3%. And then I assume, you know, cash flow increases at 3% as well from year 10 and beyond um, to be conservative for all these. But if we go through that, then we get, you know, where this is essentially the present value future cash flow formula of just, you know, of a constant stream forever. That gives you that multiple of 20. But if investors were even more concerned about rising interest rates, and we assume that interest rates were actually going to say increase to 8%, and we do that same present value uh, formula, we get a cash flow multiple of 12.5. And so, you know, if we, you know, one of the uh, scenarios I walked through in my last, you know, complete valuation of Cardlytics um, is there's a scenario where, you know, cash flow could be around $2.9 billion or $2.8 billion, right? Which is actually today's market cap <laughs> approximately. So it, any multiple is the multiple you would earn in 10 years. So that's just like, it's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, others have called this the, the uh, Monish Pabrai, the hidden PE, right? Or the hidden PE of one. So anyways, back to this. If we had that, you know, if we were assuming that $2.8 billion of free cash flow in 10 years, um, under the 20 times cash flow, that's $56 billion. Um, and then under 12.5, that drops it down to $35 billion. That could, you know, that, that, that shows you, that large price decline shows you that rising interest rates is going to lead to a, a falling of the current, you know, valuation. And especially if investors are focused for the most term on uh, on the short term and valuing based on, you know, short term assumptions or that a, a cash flow is not going to increase as much, um, then you can really understand that it's just, you know, it's a scaled price decline where I'm going from 56 billion to 35 billion um, or 35 divided by 56 minus one is a 37 and a half percent decrease in the price, which is also partially to explain, you know, what's going on in the market, you know, and because current investors, if they're focused on the short term, it's just all they're doing is instead of assuming, you know, 2.8 billion, they're assuming a smaller amount of cash flow. So yes, that could explain what's going on uh, in the market, right? However, <laughs> what's interesting to think is, okay, if, if, if we're right about this company and the company does get to that scenario of generating, you know, $2.8 billion of cash flow in 10 years, well, that's tough, even though, you know, interest rates increase and that value decreases from 56 billion to 35 billion, right? Well, in comparison to today's market cap, it's still a 12 times, you know, return based on today's price. Um, so it's still equally as attractive as it was before because, the, you know, it's just all scaled down. And even if, you know, regardless of that, it's like even $35 billion company uh, is just, it's still so high in relation to today's price. So uh, I still feel like there's a large margin of safety here. Um, and I'm not, it just kind of shows you that interest rates would have to increase just insane for to buy today not to be attractive. The other thing is inflation. 
Um, again, people have been talking about this for over a year, especially since after you know the Fed's actions um, during COVID. Um, and you know, I'm less concerned with inflation with Cardlytics, uh, especially in comparison to other companies that maybe are really uh, heavy with the their you know ongoing maintenance capital expenditures that are also impacted by inflation. Where even if they can increase uh, revenue from increasing their prices, well then they have to they'll that'll be offset by their increased expenses. Where with Cardlytics, I don't think that's you know as much. You have operating leverage in this business, so yes, you're going to have some other expenses increase due to inflation and salaries and other things. Uh, but because of the operating leverage in the business, I think their benefit will outweigh any you know disadvantage from an increase in inflation. So I'm less concerned there. Uh, previously too high of market price. So some so investors have been saying, oh, this is a correction because prices were too high before. And so now we're going back more into realistic assumptions and what's more in line with uh, that's realistic, right? That's even fair for Cardlytics of saying, you know, we were at really high price to earnings. Well, there was no earnings. So like really high price to sales ratios and everything else. So it was expensive in relation to current earnings, sales, uh, and point in time economics, right? Um, but that's not how you value a business, right? You have to value based on the future. What is it? What is the revenue, earnings, cash flow, everything 10 years from now? And what's the price I'm paying in relation to that? Um, when you start thinking like that, especially if, for instance, our scenario of $2.8 billion of cash flow in 10 years, and it's currently traded for $2.9 billion, it's like we're very low in relation to what's possible in the future. And so, yes, I can understand because a lot of investors and institutions and money managers and everything else are very short-term thinking that, you know, that's uh, that, that could explain what's going on. But for us as a long-term investor, um, this is just not another opportunity to buy for their short-term fears when they're not thinking over the long term. Uh, risk of going to zero, this is just something I was thinking about. It's like, okay, what if I'm wrong, right? Because that always has to be a problem. Uh, you know, factored in. It's like, there is that situation that I'm completely wrong about this. And we've walked through this in the last, uh, you know, the last write-up of, you know, if our average scenarios are what, I think it was like 40 some billion dollars. And we assume that there's a 75% chance to go to zero and only a 25% chance of it working out. Well, then that expected value, that market cap uh, of what, 10 billion, if it was a $40 billion company, that $10 billion market cap is still above today's market price. Even, you know, that was at 4.5 billion. Now today we're under 3 billion at today's prices. And so it's just showing you that, okay, well, even if there is a high probability, the expected value is much higher than today. But even still, let's if, if what is that risk of going to zero? It seems low. It seems like it's not 75%. <laughs> Uh, th there's a lot of attractiveness for advertisers for a platform with 168 million uh, monthly active users that's brand safe, has good tracking and uh, or, or good transactional data for targeting purposes. And you combine that with, you know, Carlytics's balance sheet, you know, they do have, they don't have a lot of debt, but they have other liabilities and everything else. So the probability of going to zero to me is it's there, like it's not zero, but it's low. And so as this price declines, again, I'm sitting there. I don't think this is, I think there's quite a bit of value here and there's a, a high potential payoff where it just seems like this is, just, I don't have to worry about that scenario as much of going to zero. Um, and it's just another opportunity to buy. Uh, what does the current market cap represent at 2.9 billion? I like doing like a reverse, you know, discounted cash flow analysis just to kind of see what the uh, the market's assuming. Uh, using the same assumptions as we went through on our last video or our last write-up, um, 2.16 dollars of revenue per consumer incentive, 168 million monthly active users, 36% gross profit margin, 200 million in operating expenses. This is assuming you know with DOSH and 
bridge also on the platform. 21% corporate tax rate, 20 times free cash flow margin or multiple. And if we use those assumptions and we can back in to what the average consumer incentive is per MAU, which is under $3. And the reason I don't like thinking in terms of ARPU as much as I even, ARPU is good to think about in terms of when you're comparing, comparing to other digital advertising platforms and you can see where, you know, Cardlytics is in relation to that. But I really, for Cardlytics, I like thinking in terms of consumer incentives or what's redeemed because I can track that. You know, I can see what myself, my friends, my family, everyone else is actually redeeming. And it just puts things in a better perspective, right? Like ARPU to, you know, an individual like like myself just doesn't mean much. Um, it means much more when I say, okay, $3 of MAU, which if, if on average that was a 10% off or like consumers were spending, you know, redeeming 10% offers on a $10 item, that's, you know, $1. And so if they did that every quarter, that's $4. So it's a, already under that, they're assuming they're gonna do it, you know, redeem one, less than one a quarter. But a better way is I pulled up my offers that I've redeemed in the last 90 days, not a year, because that's what this represents. This is this $2.94 is over an entire year. This is over the last 90 days of what I've done. Now, I, I spell out, this is super biased. It's a very skewed data sample because I follow the company. I'm, I'm familiar with it. I see it. Um, I enjoy using it maybe more than others. Um, but what this shows, like even still, like it, it, we're trying to say, that the current market cap rep represents someone redeeming only $2.94 over the entire year. Now you're gonna have a lot of people that just use zero and so that gets a little a little funny when you start thinking about it, right? Um, but if you just think about it, $2.94, here's over $3, here's over $3. Here's over $3, um, you know, and there's some other ones that are closer. And those are all stuff that I've actually used that were all, you know, reasonable offers of save 10, 20% off on a place that either I was already going to go to or one that, you know, was slightly different than where I was planning on going to, but I wanted to save money, right? And so it's like, I just, we're talking about, can someone redeem one of these offers over the entire over the course of an entire year. And as more advertising or advertisers come to the platform, it's more likely that you're gonna have an advertisement that is more applicable to that MAU and that they'll actually use it. Um, and the probability of them getting this $3 increases. And that's what's already baked to the market price today. And so to me, what I guess I'm really getting at, which is <laughs> trying to hit this home, is that seems really low, right? I think like even if you just assume that someone's gonna get two of them over the course of an entire year, well then, instantly the market cap is considerably more, right? Especially with operating leverage. So that's why this company is very interesting. So anyways, the, the last thing I just wanted to leave with is this was not, you know, a drawdown in prices just related to Carlytics. That would have been concerning. I would have sat there, you know, I feel like I, I understand the company pretty well. I, I know quite a bit about it. I would start questioning my own thoughts of being like, am I missing something? Right, I, I, I always think that way. I'm like, what am I missing? That's why I seek out, you know, people that are bearish, and I ask them what what they're looking at because, you know, there's there's always something to be concerned about. But uh, the fact that this wasn't specific to Carlytics and this was more, you know, industry wide for technology related companies, it it almost just kind of seems like a March 2020 thing, which is just a drawdown um, where, you know those short-term thinkers or those people that are invested that are incredibly diversified and not specific to this company that are missing, you know, the long-term potential of it, it. It really just seems like, you know, all the facts are the same of what we're thinking about, you know, asterisk the Airbnb situation. Um, but the investment thesis is still there, especially kind of what we were talking about here with, you know, people being able to redeem more offers and Carlytics benefiting because of their operating leverage. So to me, 
I just see the recent price decline widening the margin of safety on this investment. You know, we have more room for air. And, you know, if the scenario, some of those good scenarios really pay off, like the really good ones, some some of which we haven't really even talked about because they get crazy, <laughs> um, you know, a, a, a decline in the price today really increases your overall investment return potential. So um, I'm interested, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. And again, disclaimer, this is not investment advice. Do your own research. Uh, this is just so you can be aware of it. So um, I posted a video. This is the detailed. We had the detailed write up that I previously did, and so you can you know read that. Um, that's over on Substack. Quite, it's all in bullet form, so you can quickly skim it. And then I had the YouTube video just to kind of make it easier if you just want to listen to it. So um, I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope it was informative. Please reach out if you have anything that you disagree with. I am so open to anything. Again, I'm all about just getting to the right answer. If I'm missing something, if I have some information incorrect, I want to know because it could change how I invest. So uh, I appreciate you watching and I'll see you in the next one.